Hi, this is Craig Valentine, host of Early to Rise Radio. Have you ever wanted to become wealthier, healthier, wiser, or just have more time to appreciate the finer things in life? On this show, we reveal what high performers are doing every day to be more successful without sacrificing their personal lives. Early to Rise Radio is sponsored by The Perfect Day Formula. Get your free copy of this game-changing success guide at freeperfectdaybook.com. Now let's get started with today's show. Today, Craig Valentine gets grilled by Marine Corps Raider Nick Kumalatsos. Originally filmed for the Always Forward podcast, this will show busy men how to build their perfect day. All right. Hey, guys. Welcome back to the Always Forward podcast. I've got somebody that I've been wanting to talk to for a very long time, Craig Valentine. And uh, so those of you that know, I talk about it publicly that, you know, Bedros was my was my mentor um, and, and I was a coaching client of his and we, we've remained friends and you guys have worked together for he actually was a client of yours, right? The way that it started was I was first a client of his and okay that was so so 2009 he and I had never met, but we had I think I sent him a book in the mail first and because I had read his emails and stuff like that, uh, for about a year. And then he sent me a book in the mail back and we were kind of just emailing. And then he said, Hey, I'm starting a mastermind group. Do you want to join? And I said, sure, I'll join. So I paid for him first in 2009. Then after the first meeting, we were like, Oh man, cause it was, it was more of a general business group. And then he said, man, we got to start one for online fitness pros. So he and I started that in 2000 and I think late 2009 was our first meeting. It might have been 2010. We ran that for about seven years. And along the way, I hired him again for one-on-one coaching, probably like 2012 or 13, okay. um, when he still had like the old Fit Body, tiny little um, headquarters. And then he hired me to work with his entire company at the time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we've we've both hired one another because, you know, it's a different relationship when you are actually hiring somebody, paying money to them, um, not just having to chat. Now that said, we've, we, we started another coaching program from like 2017 to 2020. And so over the course of those years and going to events and he and I have joined other mastermind groups together, we have probably had dinner let's say 112 times. And then, so in man up his book, he, he dedicates a couple pages to what he learned at those dinners with me and how he then evolved and changed his habits, routines, personal discipline. Yeah. 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 Pitch 54 and 55. Not that I'm counting. (laughs) It's a great book. If you haven't read that book, uh, as, as, as well as yours as, as well. And kind of your, your book, you kind of talk about a lot about, uh, the entrepreneur thing where just you're, you're doing your entrepreneur life and you are just struggling with cripple anxiety. And so many people deal with that and they deal with it very privately. They're very secretive about that. And they're realizing that, and I've dealt with it myself when you're building a business um, years ago, you have a lot of anxiety, a lot of fears and a lot of fears of failure. And, and it can be crippling. And what it does is essentially it's, it, it holds you, holds you back on your progress. Absolutely. And so, so I have three books in the, in the second one called unstoppable. That's that's the one I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. That, that one like chronicles how I, um, went through two, 
these were like truly, I, I mean, I guess literally not crippling, but they were, you know, almost paralyzing to the point where I couldn't really do much. And I had one that felt like a six week heart attack. So every hour that I was awake and I could only sleep from like 11, a, 11 p.m. to about 3 a.m., every moment that I was awake during those six weeks, it felt like I was having a heart attack, you know, tight chest, elevated heart rate, couldn't breathe, tingling from the top of my head down to the end of my fingertips. And it was during that, that was my second anxiety attack that sent me to the emergency room. That was 15 years ago. So 2006 New Year's Day was the first one. And I was in the best shape of my life at that time, Nick. I was, I was 190 pounds at five foot nine with about 9% body fat. I wasn't the strongest guy in the world. You know, it was like bench and deadlift up around 400 pounds and, you know, squat and six pack abs. But so it doesn't matter if, if you're in great shape, you can have anxiety. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if, you know, you're um, making money. I was making more money than I ever had in my entire life at that time, but I had the anxiety attacks. And there was a lot of reasons I had the anxiety attacks. And I wrote the book with like, here are like basically like 15 or 21 tools in the book, you know, I call mm -hmm. them tools that I will never have anxiety again. Doesn't matter if I had to chug three um, uh, white cans of Monster and then somebody gave me bad news, I wouldn't have anxiety because I know how to get my body to deal with it through proper breathing and all sorts of stuff. And it, you know, nutrition helps and good sleep helps and being active helps, but it's not the fix. There's a lot of other stuff that you kind of have to break down and you have to get stuff out of your head, which I didn't do back then. And what you, you know, goes to what you were saying, a lot of entrepreneurs kind of suffer in silence. Mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's the, uh, the one liner there, you know, these, they suffer in silence. They load up everything on their back. They do everything themselves. So those are the five deadly words. I will do it myself of the <laughs> entrepreneur. And because they don't want to, you know, whether it's on social media, they don't want people to see that they're struggling or they don't want their employees to see that they're struggling. You don't want your wife and your kids to worry about, you know, whether or not there's going to be money and, uh, and food on the table and Christmas presents at Christmas time. I get it. We've all been there, especially people that have businesses where they have to put money into inventory and all that sort of stuff. And so when I started, when I wrote that book and got it out there, I heard from people who are worth $50 million dollars. There was a guy who I really looked up to. He was, a, he was quite a mentor to me. Um, virtually, I say, in a way, like I read all his books and got all his stuff. And then even personally, where I've had meetings with him, he sent me a, a private message and said, hey, yeah, I've had anxiety attacks. And I heard from all types of people. I got messages from, you know, this one guy was an Iraq war vet, two tours, a police officer down in Texas. And, you know, he sent me a private message on Facebook at 2 a.m. on a Saturday night from the emergency room said, Hey, I know now I, you know, I watch you stand on stage at Fit Body, sorry, not Fit Body, Fitness Business Summit and say, you know, tell your story. And now I'm living it. And man, this is horrible. How, you know, what, what should I do? And I hear that from men, women, moms, dads, all types of people who've woken up with the, uh, you know, the proverbial refrigerator on their chest, they call it, yeah. you know, in the middle of the night. And, um, you know, so my whole thing is I don't want anybody to go through that. And if you are going through it, trust me, there's ways to get out of it. I laugh in the face of anxiety right now and, and I attack anxiety. I don't let anxiety attack me because that's the way you have to look at it, right? It's like, football team or uh, you know an ice hockey team if they're up a, a, a couple points or a couple touchdowns and they start playing defense they lose the game we've seen it every single time and it's the same way in life if you play defense against anxiety it will always get you so you have to attack it uh, when it when it feels like attacking you and that's how you take control of it and you can get to the point where you don't have it
So, so going back, let's, let's go back. Cause I want to talk about the more, I want to get into the morning routine thing because yeah. I think that's a big help. I think it's a big help, uh, in my opinion. Um, I think we've been lied to by a lot of gurus out there. Um, and hell, I've even probably said in my earlier days, I probably said it to myself too, cause I was going through a, you know, a certain type of transition, but you got started in the fitness world. You were an online trainer yeah. or on, not on, you were an in-person trainer, right? That's where you kind of started yeah. your entrepreneurial career was the, the fitness, um, the fitness world, correct? Yeah. So in 1994, 96, when I was still a college student, you know, I did my first personal training session for like 20 bucks. And then, you know, I did that for, you know, basically a decade. Um, but I also started my first email newsletter in like 1999. I had no idea what I was doing. So I didn't sell anything online until 2001, January 28th, 2001. I sold a word document to somebody who contacted me through the men's health forum um because i i started writing for men's health magazine in 2000 and then i started doing some online stuff but and that's when i started to but hold out. on there's a lesson there's a lesson yeah. there right you you were providing value and building an audience yeah. i want to highlight this you were you were providing value and hiding an, uh and building an audience for two years before you sold a, a single product is that is that what i just yes, heard only because i didn't know how to sell a product it yeah. wasn't because you know it wasn't uh, only because i wanted to add value but but definitely um, building up that audience was key. And there were, there were a couple of things I did there, Nick, because I'm, I'm, I have very introverted tendencies. Mm-hmm. And so obviously this is before YouTube and before even podcasts became popular. But I was interviewing other experts for my email newsletter. So that's how I networked. I could network. I call it introverted networking. And I could network from behind my computer and all that sort of thing. And that's what I did. And... <laughs> another big lesson here is like, I was, I so bootstrapped that thing because at one point, Nick, believe it or not, this is, I had a 3000 person email list that was kept on a word document and all the emails were sent out, were sent out to the email list through hotmail and you could only BCC 50 people at a time. At a time. Yeah. So I had three, I had 60 groups of 50 emails on a Word document. And I would go through them one by one in order to send out the email newsletter. It took me like 75 minutes to, to do out, this. To send out one. How many times How many times a month do you send out a newsletter? I would send it out once a week. Wow. Yeah. So, wow. you know, I've put together, you know, I've spent, part of it was when I was still in college in grad school because I got a master's degree in exercise physiology. So, you know, I think either on a Saturday or a Sunday or a Monday, you know, I would get the email newsletter out and I'd sit there in the computer lab and I would, you know, send the, send the email and then I'd like go and, ch- you know, go to another computer and check, you know, some other thing and then come back and, you know, it had done sending. Um, but it, first of all, it also taught me how to be a, a better writer because when I, when I started writing, I was, you know, there's a lot of science stuff and a lot of big words. And eventually I learned if you want to write to people, you got to write at a very low grade level. I learned yeah. that when I started writing for Men's Health Magazine you know, keep it simple, keep short sentences. And so I learned to write better over time. Um, but it also allowed me to test a bunch of ideas and it led to my first kind of big breakthrough about what I want, um, sold online, this program called Turbulence Training, which, you know, I sold for a long time for about 15 years after I, you know, from 2001 to 2015 wow. and made a lot of YouTube videos. I have YouTube videos, been watched seven, eight million times, that sort of stuff. Uh, did a lot of body weight workouts and, you know, we just, you know, the more stuff you put out, the more feedback you get. And we just, I just kept on, I started out with like everything, you know, go to a gym and use your barbell and use dumbbells. And then 
I get all these emails. Well, I don't go to a gym. I can't use barbells. And then I went to just dumbbells and body weight. And then I got all these emails. Well, I don't have dumbbells. Huh? And it was like, by the time we were done, we were selling these pretty intense body weight workouts for like the average person. And those became our best sellers because they were the fewest limitations to people working out. You know, they was, they started off like, I started off with 45 minute workouts and people like, ah, it's too long. And I got down to 30 minute workouts and ah, that's too long. By the end we were selling, you know, the, the video that has the most views on YouTube is a four minute body weight workout that has the 8 million views. Yeah. You know, it's oh just goodness. like, it's, it's a good lesson, right? It's not, you obviously don't want to go that route in some cases because, you know, cer certain things take work, but I can crush you in four minutes. And right, everybody right. here has probably done a super short workout, but it is very important to listen to your customer. And obviously like I'm not going to get a CrossFit games champion in four minute workouts, but you know, you're going to get some people uh, fit and that sort of stuff. And, and I transfer that into writing my books where I wrote most of my books 15 minutes at a time, because uh, I always, I was thinking about this this morning, the greatest class that I ever took in my entire scholastic career was grade 10 keyboarding because what do I do the most? The most, uh, the most activity that I ever do is typing. You know, I've written books, you know, I write articles, I write emails to people. And so I've spent so many hours of my life typing. And if I didn't take that keyboarding class and I was still typing, you know, one finger at a time it'd take me forever. So was, this is the greatest bang for my buck of education. And so over time I, you know, got better at that and wrote all this stuff and got all this content out there and, now we do the podcasts and the videos and all that sort of stuff. And I sucked at that really, really bad when I started <laughs> out. But, you know, if, if you're serious about something, you just, you model somebody like I model. Uh, I started watching preachers and comedians when I wanted to get better at video because you could see how like they could hold an audience. And obviously there's a dichotomy between the two, um, you know, foul mouth comedians and, and, and uh, non foul mouth preachers. But you know what, if, if you want to look at people who can hold an audience and do a great video and do great speeches, it's those people. So I went and learned from them and figured out what was wrong with my presentations. I watched them painful to watch, but I watched them and, you know, it's just that circle of feedback that gets you better at things. So was that your, and yeah, you know that they say like your first podcast is going to suck. Your 700th is not your first video is going to suck. Your 700th is not. So the quicker you can get to 700, the better off you're going to be. Well, yeah, I mean, technically that's like the 10,000 10, hours rule, but right. you know, we all know people who have played 10,000 rounds of golf, you know, give or take <laughs> and that are, that are still bad golfers. Right. Yeah. And so th there's, there's two way two ways to look at that. One is yes. If you simply just went and did something, you'd get better at it. Now, if you throw an expert in there <laughs> who's going to give you expert advice and who's going to give you expert feedback on your performance and you're going to be open-minded, then clearly you're going to accelerate a lot faster. Yeah, that's, so I that's actually the hack started right there. a podcast. Yeah, exactly. And, and that goes for anything in life. Like if you don't, if you're trying to improve in something and you don't have a teacher, you're lying to yourself. Like think about it. Think about anything. Like if you, everybody listening, you got kids. You want them to learn how to swim. What mm -hmm. do you do? You throw them in a pool? No, you no, hire. You don't just throw them in a pool. <laughs> you know, you, you hire an instructor. Craig, and, did, but did you see? You are. You're did you see that? I we actually did that with our kid uh, at nine months. No we, way. Yeah, we did. We hired a, a, a was it ISR? I think is what it's called. And she started working. Mm -hmm. She started working with him at at nine months old. He's two years old. This kid swims in the pool like he's a fish at two. No floaties, never been in wow. floaties, never been anything. It's amazing. And that's what it, the, the, 
there it is. Have you, um, I, I stumbled across this. Have you stumbled across baby Joshua on social media? No, I haven't. Okay. So baby Joshua, I mean, the kid can't be older than, than your child and he can, he, he's been taught to do karate kicks and the karate kicks are vicious and his dad lets him kick him, kick him in the legs and all sorts. And you're it's like, wild. there's a child who can barely stand in diapers kicking violently. And so it just goes to show you what you can do. But um, our daughter's six months old and we take her to these like kind of goofy sw swim classes and we go in the pool with her all the time and she loves the water. So um, nine months. Great. I guess we'll get the official swim teacher uh, because yeah, you know, she, I, she just loves it. I highly, highly suggest it um, because it really is on a, on a, you know, especially where you're living now and there's so, you know, so much water. It's just one of those things that you can mitigate. Yeah. Right. And, and the biggest thing is just right. to get them to roll over and breathe and, 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 and save themselves to give time. But he just went to the next level and kept doing the next level next to he's doing crossover. He's swimming, that's he's doing great. slides. It's wild, but it does. So, so to your that's, point, let me fix that, this. That's though. one of the things with, um, sorry to interrupt, but that's one of the things with my kid is like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to, I can swim, but I don't know how to swim properly because it's been, you know, 30 years since I, you know, 40 years since I took a lesson. Right. And, I'm going to learn how to swim with her. I'm going to take a BJJ with her when she starts doing that. It, you know, I'm going to do some before, but also like when she does it, I'm going to take up all this stuff with her and just learn with her, whether it's playing an instrument or stuff like that. Just, you know, so it's more time with her, Yeah. Um, but yeah. also, you know, just whatever she wants to get into. So that's cool. And when, when you're ready, we'll go back to getting good at podcasts because I got a story. Yeah. That. Hold on. I'm real quick. I lost your video, Craig. So I'm going to try to. You did? Yeah. I'm going to try to switch. There he is. I have to, it's like I have to keep the computer from sleeping. Oh, okay. I've never had that issue. It just, it just froze up. Um, no, neither have I. You're, you're good. So, um, okay. The, the hit the, hit the podcast thing real quick. Yeah. Okay. So I started my first podcast in the fitness industry in 2007. Like people didn't know what podcasts were. And I was just, I essentially what I did was I took one of my emails and I would read it. And so every week I was doing like on, on a Sunday, seven tips, like here, do this on Monday, do this on Tuesday. Oh, so it was just um, you, you, know, you were just talking by yourself. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And I was just talking and again, because of my introverted tendencies, I was very robotic in how I spoke both for the audios, but also when I was on stage. So at the time, I'm, I'm not a great communicator. And if you go back and you watch my first YouTube video, if you, if you go to YouTube and you type in Craig Ballantyne 300 workout, that video probably has a million views. And it was created at the request of Men's Health Magazine when the 300 workout came out in Men's Health Magazine around the time the 300 movie I, came out. I remember that. And because yeah. of the key. Yeah. And so because of the keywords that got a lot of views on YouTube, and I talk like a robot in it, you know, hi, I'm Craig Ballantyne. Here we go do. 25 pull-ups to start the 300 workout and you know it's really bad and so i did for two years that fitness podcast and then you know it's just it was just on this laundry list of things to do and it's just like i i'm just gonna stop this and so i quit it and then a couple years later i think it was three years later i started my early to rise podcast and at then i wrote so i did that for a couple years and then no, wait a minute. No, I wrote my book, Perfect Day Formula in 2015. 
And one of my mentors said that every time he goes on a guy's teleseminar, so this is like, you know, showing how old he is. Every time he did a teleseminar for somebody, he sold 100 books. And I thought, well, if I just do 100 podcasts and I sell 100 books in every podcast, 10,000 books, and that's more books than almost any other author sells. So it's like 1% of all authors. So I just started doing podcasts. And at first I was bad. And so since then, including the podcast that Bedros and I have done as part of the Empire podcast and including the podcast that I've started where I have a couple of hundred of my own episodes, I'm probably looking at about 900 to 1,000 hours of podcast time. Mm. And I know that I have been interviewed over 400 times on podcasts. Yeah. So I've learned to tell the stories better. And I'm a little bit rusty because I haven't done a lot of them recently but usually when I'm in the flow of doing a couple podcasts per week, I will never say the word um or ah. And I can go up on stage for an hour and not say the word um or ah. And I can, what I do is I learned how to elongate my words if I'm looking for the next thing. So instead of saying, uh, I will say, I'm looking for the next word to say in the sentence. And then I've also learned to tell my stories better. So if you go up there and onto a podcast and you tell your story and then you listen to it. That's the hard part, right? Is reviewing yeah. your performance. Yeah. It's one thing to go and watch yourself do a back squat and sit there with your trainer and you know they look at it or to be an NFL player and watch your game tape or to even, I mean, I guess it'd be difficult to watch yourself in like a fight or something like that if you're a martial artist. But watching yourself speak or listening to yourself speak it's one of the things that most people, almost the majority of people do not like listening to their own voice. But I had to do that because Init I would watch initially. Myself go, wow, did I yeah. start with low energy? And I and then I would watch somebody like Brennan Burchard. And obviously that guy's energy is through the roof. And so I learned how to increase my energy because, Nick, if you and I were in person talking, I would talk like this. I would say, hey, Nick, what's up? Yeah, yeah great. Like that's how I talk. One word answers downward inflection. That's yeah. how I naturally talk because I don't like to talk. I actually find it physically exhausting to talk for a long time as an, as a person with introverted tendencies, yeah. not an introvert, but somebody with introverted tendencies. Yeah. And so I just learned to go into a, you know, get psyched up for a podcast and, you know, bring energy. And sometimes I'm almost like too much. Like when I record my audiobooks, they're like, you come off a little hot at the start, so can just tone it down a bit. And so I do that, but it's helpful. And I mimic a lot of people and I mimic a lot of, I spent a lot of time with Bedros and where he mimicked my discipline, stuff like that. I would mimic how he would enter a room and I watched and, you know, he goes and he shakes everybody's hand says their name and talks to them and he's California cool. And I'm not naturally like that. And so I had to Basically, I watched it for like a year. And I was like, I just, you know, memorizing it before I started doing it myself. And when I was doing it myself, it felt so awkward, but eventually it became normal. And then I remember one year I went to one of his events and I told everybody I was going to hug a hundred people and, and which is not my normal way of uh, greeting people or wasn't back then. Yeah. And I remember hugging a few people who had known me for a couple of years and they were like, oh, what, what's wrong with you? But it was... It was a personal growth thing. And so all that to say, no matter how you are at storytelling, no matter how you are at telling jokes, no matter how you are at bringing energy into conversation, it's all a learnable skill. Everything is a learnable skill. Yeah. And if you're not a funny person, but you want to be funny, you go to improv and you do all this stuff and it's painful at first. And as the old saying goes, the people who get good at things are the people who are willing to suck at things first.
Mm. And it's difficult. You know, when we, you get to like, I don't know how old you are, but I, you know, I'm 47 and sucking at things isn't really on my to-do list, but there's so many things I need to suck at in order for me to become a better version of myself. So, you know, I'm going to get good at learning how to suck at things. Yeah. And that's, and that that's way I'll what be we able talk, to get good at things. We talk a lot about that on the podcast is, you know, you, you have good. to, you have to struggle. If, especially if men are, are not struggling, you're not really growing because we live in a soft world. You got a house, you got a roof over your head, you sleep in a nice bed, you got food and water. And you're at the end of the day, your life is for the majority of people in the world. It's, you know, it's okay. So we, for us to really grow, we yeah. have, we have to seek out. We're not, you know, we're not hunting and gathering anymore. We're not building a shelter and fighting wolves. So you, we have to seek out struggle. We have to seek out the, be on the fringe where growth happens. We have to find it. Yeah. And so, you know, queen, the, the queen just died. Right. But if you take a look at our standard of living versus her standard of living, when she was first, you know, became the queen in like 1940s, yeah. like our standard of living of almost everybody that's alive is better. Well, not everybody's alive, yeah. but you know, the majority of people in America and the majority of people listening to this, yeah. you know, almost everybody listening to this, like your standard of living is better than the king and queen 50 years ago. So it, you're right. It is in, and where I am here, I don't, I could go, like, I, I personally don't, you know, wouldn't choose to leave the house if I, unless I had to, <laughs> but I could go literally weeks without leaving my house yeah. because of everybody can come and deliver stuff. And my gym is, you know, this clubhouse across the street from me in this gated community. I, I can never leave my compound. That's how easy life can be. But I know that that is bad news for me. Yeah, it's just going to make you super soft, yeah, and complacent. And if you yeah. get complacent there, yeah. you're going to complacency is going to going to bleed into other areas of your life. So, Craig, real quick, your was that what you were selling those 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 short little workouts? Was that really your first seven figure business? The fitness business, yeah. The yeah. the um, the selling the workouts became a seven figure business. I believe around 2008 or nine. So like okay. when everybody was kind of going through the, the first recession thing that we've had in the last 20 years. And so it was the online fitness business. That's amazing. Selling early selling you were eBooks. Er you were early. It was, it was a seven figure business in eBooks before it even became videos. Wow. Once it became videos, then it became multiple seven figures. How did you, because you know, how did you br bridge the gap between that and mentorship and coaching and you know, that world? I, um, yeah. So in 2007, when not a lot of people had online businesses, the people who were personal trainers in Bedros's world, you know, so Bedros was the coach to personal trainers at that time, mm -hmm. you know, here, I'm going to help you grow your gym. I'm going to help you get more clients in the real world. And there was a percentage of those people who were like me, like I'm as an, as a person with introverted tendencies, going to the gym and spending eight hours a day with somebody is not a pleasant thing. Yeah. And so I was, I started my online business really before I became a full-time trainer. And when I was a full-time trainer, every single day was about how could I not be a full-time trainer? How can I build this online business? And so I, I went to the extremes, you know, I was at 25 years old. I was up at four 30 in the morning, working my online business for 20 minutes before I took the bus from down from the West end of Toronto into downtown Toronto, because the subway didn't run at that time of day to train my first CEO client at six until 11 AM. You know, I trained a couple of CEOs, then their wives, then I'd have a break and I'd lift and I'd go to subway 
<laughs> and get a meatball sub and a chocolate chip cookie and a chocolate milk. And then from three until seven, I'd fall asleep because I was like a bunch of garbage. Yeah. But then, but you know, you're 25 years old, you need whatever you want. <laughs> and then from three until seven, I, I would train the CEO's kids. And then, you know, maybe the C, you know, some other CEOs come back in for the five o'clock or six o'clock workout. And then I go home. Right. Yeah. And I tried at first to build my online business at seven o'clock at night. But at seven o'clock at night, after you, after that type of day, it felt like someone was sticking shards of glass into my eye. So that's when I realized I had to do the 4.30 in the morning thing. So anyways, I, I did that for a few years, Nick. And a lot of people would always be at, you know, emailing me. Hey, Craig, love your workouts. You know, just bought them. Use them with my clients. How, did you, how do you sell programs on the internet? So once you get enough people asking you for something, this is the same way that I came up with turbulence training. All my friends were asking me for a short workout because now instead of having 14 hours a week to go to the gym, they were married, had their first kid, had their mm -hmm. first job. They had three hours a week. Mm -hmm. So I wrote that program for them. And then I got all these trainers saying, well, how do I start an online business? So I started teaching that. And I had my first online business seminar in 2007 at the PGA Resort in West Palm Beach, Florida. And I had 53 people there. So, you know, there's some big names in the fitness industry at the time paid, you know, back then I sold, I sold that event for 2,500 bucks or 3000 bucks. And then I sold my first mastermind. I was horrible on stage back then, but I still got enough people to join a mastermind group. So I was, I started coaching people that way in 2007. So now my business looks like about half the money is coming in from selling fitness eBooks and half the money is coming in from teaching other fitness experts how to sell fitness eBooks and nutrition books and that sort of stuff. Yeah. And no one was really doing coaching. Like everybody does coaching now, but no one was really doing coaching back then. Cause some of my friends, like my friend, Joel Marion, who was a high school teacher, he was 26 years old. And when he came to me for coaching in 2009, he was making 42 grand. He was working until three o'clock in the morning, trying to build his online business. And he was, he's just like, he's like your, your, um, your son, who's amazing at swimming at two. Joel just took to online marketing, quit his job as a, as a teacher and was selling $75 eBooks and like thousands of them in product launches. And he was making a million dollars in under a year selling eBooks, but you can't, you know, people sell eBooks for 99 cents now. So it's a totally different yeah. world, which is why people do coaching. But I, I taught people that from 2007 till about 2010. Then I joined forces with Bedros. And the other thing that I did uh, um, along my career is I was then running turbulence training, the fitness business, the coaching business. And then I bought another business called Early to Rise, which is a productivity, de personal development, yeah. financial newsletter. And so I'm running all three of those things. And this one guy, a guy named Ed O'Keefe, he has a supplement company and um, he's really the, uh, he's a good friend of mine and really into BJJ and he lives in Chicago and he said, man, you're the world's most productive man. <laughs> and so then all these people started asking me, how can I be more productive? Which then led to writing the perfect day formula and creating productivity courses like our millionaire morning course. Yeah. And then I wrote the perfect week formula and the unstoppable. So, so it was just, you know, all these people want, if, if people are asking you the same question over and over again, like how did you, or how can I, then you probably got a business there. And that's kind of what I want. And you just kind of hit it. You, <laughs> you nailed it because you summed it all up. Right. Cause that was my whole point is, is, you know, I, 
we got into training. My business partner got, and I got into training because I had an overwhelming amount of young men asking us how to uh, prep to go in the military. I mean, it was ridiculous. And I'm like, so I, I had, I called Josh who's an old, old teammate in special operations. And I said, Hey man, we gotta, we gotta do something here. Do you want to partner with me and let's, let's do something. And that was in 2017, I believe. And then we, okay. we wrote a, I mean, we, we wrote an okay book, like an actual, like book, hard back book and for as, as a training manual and then put it online and everything and made an ebook and, and that's how it started. And then other people started asking, like grown men started asking, Hey, I'm not joining the military, but I want to get in shape. And I like the military fit type of thing. And then that next thing, you know, and you know, so fast forward to 2022, we've, you know, for the last three years, we've had you know, our coaching uh, business called the Agogi and we help men there. But that kind of leads me into, um, well, I'll tell you, I don't know if you're, first of all, I'll say it's funny how long I had to, uh, how often I had to get asked something before I was like, uh, maybe this is like a business <laughs> idea. You know, it's so, it's such a dumb. Yeah. Uh, now it doesn't take that long. If I get multiple hits, I'm like, yeah, we need to create a course or create right. something. You know what I mean? But, but it was Craig, it was like hundreds. And we were, I was, it, it took hundreds and hundreds of DMS before I was like, yeah, I think I should write a, a manual for training for the military. Right. You know? But, um, well, what I, what I did, just as a funny side note, is I had all my friends asking me for a workout. And I remember going home and basically every single day, I would write a new program for one of my friends who was in the exact same situation oh as the guy who's... It took me like a couple of months before I was What like, am I doing? What are you doing? <laughs> just write one yeah. program. It's all the same. They can benefit from it. Uh, but anyways, yeah. So, so all to say, like, if this stupid farm boy yeah. can, can figure out how to make a business, you can too. So we, so we started coaching people and and started kind of bringing them in this ninety day plan, and that's how it started. It was a ninety day plan, and you know, it was like I think I launched it by myself before I even got Josh. It was like thirty dollars a month for for ninety days. So ninety bucks for ninety days, you know. And uh, have them track macros and this and that. And it was very rudimentary, uh, very old school, you know, Excel sheets, Google sheets, all that kind of stuff. And that, that's a great lesson. Yeah. Though. Like just start with what yeah, you got. Yeah, just start, right? Just start. And yeah. so what I started to realize was, and this is kind of where you kind of come into play, you could give them the what. The what wasn't the problem. The training and nutrition wasn't really, and nutrition obviously is always a problem. But at the end of the day, you still gave them that the what was not the problem. It was the how. The how was the problem. How do I, like you said, I'm married. I got two kids. I'm an industry professional in my industry now. I've, you know, you know, these guys that go out there and I mean, this is essentially my entire, you know, client, almost my entire clientele now is they put themselves, men put themselves on the back burner. My wife needs me. My job needs me. My kids need me. So I can't go to the gym because I got to go relieve her because she's been there or I've got to go take care, you know, drive the kids to somewhere. And, you know, five pounds, five pounds turns into, you know, this turns into this turns into this, you know what I mean? And, and that's, you know, next thing you know, they're 300 pounds. And so the, what is not the problem? You can go buy a program online. You can buy a PDF. You can buy something on an app, whatever you still have the same problem. You still have the same problem um, that you had before is how do I do it? Well, inner, inner Craig is uh, we started realizing that they needed 
discipline in their life. They needed a routine. And as, as we, as we were working more into this, um, and we started to do it on our own, we came up with, you know, we found the perfect week formula. And that is the system that we now use. All of our coaches have that. We've purchased that from your, your assistant. Um, and all of our coaches have that. And we push that to all of our clients. And that's how we build their routine. So, you know, it's, it's not so much just to go to a workout. We're like, hey, listen, are you dating your wife? When's the last time you dated your wife? And Craig, I mean, you probably heard it all before, like, I don't know, six years before we had kids. You know, I don't know. The last time we, I don't even know when the last time we went on a date is. Um, and, and they wonder why they wonder why, like they start having issues with, um, you know, their marital issues and things start to kind of fall apart and then they get complacent. They get complacent in their weight. Next thing you know, they're complacent in their relationship. They're complacent in their bank account and it, and it trickles down. But man, yeah. when we fix the how it changes everything because there's so much fat in their life and their day and in their week that is not serving them. And, and when we, I, when I identified, I'm like, okay, so what time do you wake up? What time do you go to bed? Tell me every 15 minute increment in between. And they almost get embarrassed. They're like, as they're writing it down, they're like, oh shit, there's a lot of bullshit. And there's a lot of bullshit in here that I didn't realize. Um, and so that's anyway. So we use, you know, there's the big secret. We use Craig Ballantyne's um, perfect week formula on our coach in our coaching business. It's always, it's all about prioritizing what matters. And because there's a lot of people out there that, that everybody, everybody knows like some person in their life and you're like, how the heck are they pulling this off? You know, they got three kids, they got five kids, they got, they're involved in this, that, and the other thing. And, and they don't seem that overwhelmed or everything. And it's because they just focus on what matters and they've really eliminated a lot of the things. That That's don't. me. I've got four businesses. I've got three kids. I've got a wife. I've got a bunch of employees. We've got crazy schedules. We do jujitsu. We've got, I mean, it's, it's nuts, man. It's not, I'm not overwhelmed. It's awesome. Yeah. Because it's amazing what you can do. Yeah. It really truly is. Yeah, it's your priorities. It's all about, it's all about your priorities. Um, so, so around this, around this method, right? This is what I want to get to. Our, when I was early on in my career or in my entrepreneur at post-military, it was like, you wake up and you don't check your social media. You go journal and then you meditate or you get up early and you go work out. You do all these different things and you make your bed. You make your bed. The first thing you do, you make your bed so that that bed is made and you've accomplished a win and then everything else is gravy after that. Craig, what, what is your thoughts on that morning routine to be successful? Well, I mean, I've never made my bed in my life. <laughs> and uh, so <laughs> I, I, I do pay somebody else to make it uh, for us, but I, I don't make it myself. And so a lot of those things are neither necessary nor sufficient for success. So actually, we actually even have to back up a little bit. And first of all, we have to define success Mm -hmm. very much like, you know, obviously when you're a special operations operator, it's like, well, what's the definition of success of this mission? And most people go through life saying, I want to be successful, but okay, well, what is your specific version of success? And so we talk about that, not as much in the perfect week formula, but a lot more in unstoppable and the perfect day formula about knowing exactly what you want to achieve. Because when you know exactly what you want to achieve in three to five years, 
it makes all those decisions around what to do every single day so much easier because a lot of the things that you're tempted to do every single day are just a detour. And you have the straight line to success and you can just say, no, that's a detour. I'm going to stay on the straight line of success and you're going to get exactly what you want. You know, I've gotten the exact business that I wanted. I, I got married on the exact schedule that I wanted to all because I wrote these down in my visions and I stayed on the straight line of success and eliminated the fluff. And so when it comes to your morning routine, listen, I'm not saying that meditation is a, is a waste of time. I'm just right. saying that if it's important to you, you will make time for it. We all make time for, for what's important. But for those difficult things, those difficult things that we are tempted to avoid, the longer we take to get to them in a day, the more difficult it is to actually get to yeah. them. And everybody listening has had one of those days where it's like, listen, I really got to get this done tomorrow. And they wake up the next day and something gets them off track and they do some social media or they, you know, they clean the garage or whatever. I mean, I've done when I, before I was really on this path, I did some of the silliest things. Like I remember one day I was supposed to be writing a chapter of a book and I started cleaning my house back when I was a bachelor and Nick, I don't even know how to turn a broom on, but I was trying to clean the house. And so see, this is like, I couldn't have told that joke on my first podcast, but uh, I can tell it now. And so, so I would like, and then I was like, my goodness, this is wrong that I'm doing this and I need to get back to work. And, but most people can't do it with the discipline. So you have to set up the environment for success. And so one of the things we teach people, and this is not related to, do physical training, but if you really have to do some important work and you work predominantly at a workstation, uh, the same workstation all the time, it's just go to your workstation right now and sit down there, put your arms out to your side and do a, you know, a full circle, go like this. Everything within arm's reach is, you know, to, to use kind of a crude phrase here, it's like an IED. It's, a, it's an explosive device that's going to blow up your time. It's not going to blow up you, but it's going to blow up your time. Yeah. So I've got, you know, a copy of this book sitting here and it's within arm's reach. And if I knew if I was working on something that was very difficult and I wanted to procrastinate, I could reach and grab that book and that thing's going to blow up my time. And I've got this phone here. It's turned off, but I got it beside me and it's within arm's reach. And all of those things are roadside distractions. Now I'm on a podcast, so I'm obviously not going to pick up a book. Yeah. But after when I uh, tomorrow morning is when I go back to my deep work stuff, those things are not going to be here. Those things are not going to be here because I need, I need to have everything. I need to build a fence around myself. That's the way that I look at it. And removing distractions is one part of the fence. And planning and preparing exactly what you're going to do the next day is one part of the fence. And then even doing a little bit of seed work, we call process planning the day before. Like if you got to do a PowerPoint presentation or you got to write a chapter for a book, don't just think oh, I'm going to open up a blank PowerPoint and I'm going to just going to whip off presentation. No, you're going to get writer's block. So write down a couple of bullet points the night before and the next day, it's so much easier for you to get into it and do that hard work. And that's another intentional and and now you're, is an intentional decision prior to that you're going into it. You know exactly what you're getting into. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm sure you've probably told somebody before, like, Hey, if you struggle to work out first thing in the morning, that's the only time you can do it. Then set your exercise clothes out right yeah. beside your bed. Yeah. Be because if they're not there and you got to go hunt around for them and you got to hunt around for what to do and you don't know what to do in the workout, well, that's going to be inertia. Yeah. And so when you have inertia, it makes a task like rolling a, a giant stone up mm -hmm. a hill. But what you want to do is you want to set things up. You remove distractions. You have the exact plan. And that's like rolling a snowball down right. a hill. 
And so just a couple of small changes go from 500 pound rock up a hill, which is impossible to 200 pound snowball down a hill, which actually gets easier over time. And it builds up and builds up and, you know, you have momentum and motivation. So that's, it, it's small hinges swing big. It's doors. funny you say that the way you worded that with the, with the clothes and the, by the door or whatnot. So when I did one of my, one of my challenges that I did was 60 sessions of jujitsu in 30 days. Um, wow. yeah, it was horrible. <laughs> I don't recommend it, <laughs> but, uh, I look like, I look like, uh, I've been beaten and you know, like one weekend I looked like a, like I was on chemo. Um, it was wow. just, I, I immediately got sunken in two black eyes. I was like, they're like, Oh, you look rough, man. I'm like I'll make it. But about the halfway mark, man, I had some really internal doubt and, uh, my body hurt. My, I was tired. You know, I'm going at five in the morning. I'm going at seven 30 at night, sleeping in between and, you know, and still, you know, having a newborn still running my businesses. When I started to have that self-doubt, this is when that routine discipline kicked in because I just did that. I had my bag packed by the couch out in the living room. All I had to do was wake up and there was nothing, there was, I removed any excuses or anything that was going to slow me down. All I had to do was roll out of bed, grab my bag and walk out the door. There was no decisions to be made. There was nothing to prep. And that, and honestly, there was days that I like, man, I can't, don't even know if I physically can do this. But because of that prep and the fact that all I had to do was just move, walk out the door, open the door, get in my truck, the inertia was already happening. So it, it didn't really matter. It just, and that's how I made it through the, the 30 days. Yeah. So when I, I went through a tough point, when I left the fitness industry and started the coaching business, you know, we, we, we were making great money in the fitness business and I turned it off almost overnight. Okay. Right. So at our peak, it was five and a half million bucks a year. So turn that off and go to only the productivity and entrepreneurship coaching and no email list. And it was difficult. Yeah. And so around that time, I found Tim Grover's book, Relentless. And there are a couple of words. There's a lot in that that just got me fired up. I would read three pages. I'd go and I'd do everything to get a new client that day. And, and, and there's not a lot of motivational books because I generally don't need motivation. But that thing just put me into an, uh, a higher gear. And one of the things that Tim says in that book is that, you know, he talks about the, all the people they train. So they, he says that they just don't think, you know. And so you set it up so there was no, there was no option for you to think. Right. And Tim, you know, Tim's advice helped me. So I went on this vacation a couple of years ago to uh, 2018. I went to South Africa with my friend Joel, who I mentioned before. And we went to Zimbabwe. Well, we went to the safari in South Africa. And then we went up to Zimbabwe for a couple of days. And there's this place called Victoria Falls, which is like one of the seven wonders of the natural world, I believe. And over Victoria Falls, over this gorge, they have this thing that looks like a bungee, but it's a swing. So you jump yeah. off this cliff, it's 270 foot uh, free fall. And then instead of it boinging you back up, it catches you and just swings you out over the gorge. And so the first day that we go, I think about it and I say, no, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> get, and, and get this, you know what t-shirt I was wearing that mm -hmm. day? Man, ah. I was wearing a man up t-shirt. No, no, thanks. <laughs> yeah. So, so fortunately the next day, the kids, uh, Joel's kids and all the other kids that were there, they just loved, there was a zip line beside it and they were obsessed with the zip line. So they were like, we got to go back and do the zip line. So I go back 
And I just think of Tim Grover and I just go, just don't think. And so I go, Joel, I'm going to do it. And he goes, really? I go, yeah, okay. So I'm not wearing the man up t-shirt anymore. I'm just wearing a white t-shirt. And I just go and I get harnessed up. And, and the only thought that I had was, listen, all these other people have done it and they didn't die. So I'm either going to be a news story or I'm not going to die. <laughs> and so I just, I like, just don't think. And he harnessed me. And some of the other guys would walk up and, you know, stand there for a few minutes. I just walked up and jumped off and didn't think. And so I, I uh, regained my ability to wear a man up shirt after, <laughs> after that. Otherwise, I would have had to retire it. But because you know, I'm not a huge fan of heights. So anyways, I did that and I just did it because I didn't think. And so there is a lot of situations where we'll be put in challenges where you can think yourself out of it. And that is a that is a dangerous thing to do whether it's thinking yourself out of a sales call, mm -hmm. whether it's thinking yourself out of a difficult conversation, whether it's thinking yourself out of, you know, sitting down a team member who's underperforming or whether it's thinking yourself out of, you know, even just getting up and writing a chapter in that book that you've always said you're going to write, but you'd never get around to writing or doing the Brazilian Jiu Jitsu a couple times per day. Just don't think set up the systems for success because I've made a couple of videos, Nick, where I jokingly say I'm actually the world's most, world's laziest person. I'm not motivated and left to my own devices. I would love to sit around and eat chocolate cake and watch college football on a Saturday. Now I'm not going to do that because success and my family yeah, are far more important than doing that. But you know, deep down there's a little part of me that, you know, just wants to do that. And the way that back when I was younger, when there was a lot bigger part of me that wanted to do that. And I used to binge drink on the weekends and all that sort of stuff. I just ended up setting myself up for success. So part of that is removing yourself from those environments, other, you know, I, but I didn't want to give up those friendships. So I scheduled bike rides and hikes and workouts with the guys at 10 o'clock on a Saturday morning, rather than meeting them at a bar at 10 o'clock on Saturday night. And I just changed all these things. And then uh, a lot of the success that I've had in life has come from public accountability where I'll go on a show or I'll go on my email list and I'll just say, Hey, I'm doing this. Mm -hmm. And now it's out uh, there. You know, you're not going to catch. You know. yeah. yeah. Like, and so being a hypocrite is one of the lowest things in life, or at least it used to be. The world is definitely in a weird place right now. And there's a, and, and I don't know if it has the same kind of connotation and reputation, you know, visualization from people is what being a hypocrite used to be, right? Yeah. Like the, the pastor that cheated on his wife, like that's like, that's like the lowest of the low. You can steal a lady's purse, but if you're a hypocrite, that's worse than that. <laughs> and so I didn't, you know, when you tell people that you are going to do something like in 2011, I told people I was going to quit swearing. I don't care if you swear, you can swear all you want, but I quit swearing 10 years ago, 12 years ago now almost. And I told my email list that day, and it took me three days to stop swearing because I had, you know, nervous system rituals where I just, you know, I swore all the time, but it took me three days to stop swearing. And, you know, I'll never swear in a podcast. I'll never swear standing on stage. The only time I swear is by when we moved to Mexico, there are, there are big bugs here. Like, and you know, we had tarantula on the front door a couple of times the other week. Like I might swear in that situation <laughs> just because I'm not a bug guy, but I, won't, I, I was able to quit swearing and I quit swearing because I tell everybody I don't swear. And a year ago, I quit alcohol completely. Like I was down to like one or two drinks a month. But then I looked at my sleep stats and it's like, yeah, it's just- Where's the, I thought we were talking about- you know, where, I don't drink Yeah, where's the ROI? Yeah, there, there is. I mean, 
<laughs> yeah. And you, you immediately suffer from yeah. it in, in many ways. And then that night's sleep and it's like the next day, usually so you like lose 24 hours of your life for, for even one drink. It's just not yeah. worth it. And so on and so forth. And so I just, that's one great way is to tell people what you're going to do. And if you're a man of your word, you're going to stick to it. It's going to be painful, but I'm sure you, you, when you were doing the 60 day challenge, it was the same sort of thing. It was like, man, I've told people I'm doing this. Like I can let myself, it's okay to let myself down sometimes, but I can't let everybody else down. Yeah. And so that'll get you, get you going. Well, as, a, as, a man, okay to let as, a, as a man, I feel like it's, it's one of those things, especially as a leader that it, to set the example, right. To set the example, to do something hard, exactly. to show something that, Hey, listen, I can do this. And if I can do it, you, you can too. And if you fail at it, it's okay. You can try it again. You know, you can keep, you keep, but you set the standard real quick. Can you talk about, yeah. um, as we're wrapping up, can you talk about the 5 a.m. club? Yeah. So the 5 a.m. club is like the make your bed thing, right? It's neither necessary nor sufficient for success. And, and so aside from keyboarding, one of the best classes I took in this one was in college was called critical thinking. Mm -hmm. And one of the phrases was, they were always saying, like, if somebody says something, is that necessary for the condition or is that sufficient for the condition? Mm -hmm. Like, if you join the 5 a.m. club, would that be necessary for you to be successful? No, because Elon Musk gets up after 7 o'clock and, you know, some people would judge him to be successful. NFL players, you know, yeah. special operators, you know, not everybody gets up at 5 o'clock. So it's not necessary. And if you join the 5 a.m. club, do you automatically become successful? Well, no, it's not sufficient for success. If you wake up at so 5 if you wake up at 5 a.m. and you're scrolling on your Instagram for an hour and a half, <laughs> might as well just stay in bed and get an extra and, hour and, and a half of sleep. Yeah. Right. And if you went to bed at 12 o'clock, but you want to join the 5 a.m. club, well, you're going to underperform all day yeah. long. So it is neither necessary nor sufficient. Now, if you were getting up at 5.30 in the morning and you were – going through your day really stressed because you never got any time to think for yourself, then I would tell you to join the 5.15 a.m. club yeah. and get up 15 minutes early. Right. And in that time, you know, get the stuff out of your head that's maybe causing anxiety, et cetera. So if you go back to 2007, this is a few months after I had my anxiety attacks. I'm in great shape. But I went to the emergency room twice and they did tell me like, you know, they gave me a heart rate monitor and they checked me out for like 24 hours, chest x-ray. And they said, okay, there's nothing physically wrong with you. So a few months later, I, I woke up at 7.30 in the morning, you know, because now I'm this online business owner, Nick. I don't have to get up at any time. So I have a paradox of freedom. I have too much freedom in my life. I can do anything I want at any time of the day. Right. And oftentimes I did. And, you know, you need the structure. So I was getting up at 7.30 in the morning and I was rolling over and I was checking my phone, which was a BlackBerry at the time, right? Checking my email. And you could get 30 great sales notifications, but if you got one customer who is like, I can't download it or, you know, I didn't like the workout, you know, it just ruins your day. So I'm also a morning person. I love doing everything in the morning. I want to work out. I want to work. I want to, you know, I want to check the news. Yeah. I don't want to do a million things before noon. <clears throat> and so here I am getting up at 730 in the morning, which is already naturally too late for me. And I realized this is a, a major cause of anxiety in my life. So did I join the 5 a.m. club the next day? No. I joined the five minute club. So I got up five minutes earlier mm. and I said to myself, I'm going to wait five minutes longer to check my email. So I had a 10 minute spread. I did that for seven days. I didn't do it every single day. No, it was seven days in a row, for 10 minutes. Then I went five minutes on each side. So now I got a 20 minute spread and I did that for seven days. 
And the next thing you know, I'm soon getting up at 5.30 in the morning and not checking my email until 9.30. Now, and again, I'm a bachelor at this time, right? So think about, you know, everybody here is an entrepreneur and a father and all, all, you know, you got everything going on in your life. Imagine if you're a single man getting up at 5.30 in the morning and working on your business until 9.30 in the morning with no interruptions. Think of the damage that you can do Mm -hmm. in a good way. And that really set me free from the anxiety. And, and then eventually I went on, I, you know, I still get up around four o'clock in the morning because I realized how much I love the empty space in the morning. Yeah. You know, some days I, like, I don't even turn my computer on for a couple hours. I just sit there and I scribble and I, I plan and I scheme and I create visions and I, and it's, write business plans. Your, and I, it's your I time. Launches yeah. and all this stuff. It's your time. Yeah. I call it white space. Yeah. I call it white space. And a lot of my clients really resonate with this idea of white space because a lot of them right now, they, they work 40, 50 or 60 hours in their business and they got meetings and they got this, that and the other thing. But unless you have white space, which is time where there's, you know, it's white space on the calendar, but it's also white space in your brain. That's, you know, there's no inputs. And, and that's another thing. Everybody's got a podcast going on in their mind when they work out and when they drive. And it's like, no, drive without any audio input for a while and solve your problems. Yeah. Because without white space, you never get time to actually do the problem solving. So I love the early mornings because it gives me problem solving time. And so that's why the 5 a.m. club does work for a lot of people because they get up before everybody else is up. And if it's done the right way. Fewer distractions. Yeah, yeah. yeah sure, sure. Um, but I also know a guy, that Joel guy who I mentioned before, he built a $100 million supplement company working between 10 p.m. and 4 a.m. So... I used to stay at his, his mansion down in Florida and I got up at four o'clock in the morning and he, I would walk into his giant office and I don't know if you ever watched um, Bugs Bunny when you were a kid. Remember the sheepdogs? Yeah. yeah. yeah so Sam, 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 the sheepdog. And then I forget, like Eddie was the yeah. other sheepdog. And, go, hey, Sam. <laughs> and like, that's, that's basically the conversation. Joel and I, he would just nod at me and then he would go to bed at four o'clock in the morning and I'd start my work day and I'd see him again at noon. And, but, but he was using the same principles. He was using the principle of there's no distractions. It's he knew himself. He knew his biology, his chronology, his uh, mental framework, that he was a night owl and he got his best work done. And so he just set himself up for success. And so it's not about the hour that you get up. It's about what you do with the hours that you are up. It's not about the hour that you get up. It's about what you do with the hours that you are up. And so there's Olympic champions who get up at all different hours of the day. And there's people that write at four o'clock in the morning. There's people write at 10 o'clock at night and so on and so forth. And it really comes down to a lot of self-reflection, introspection about what works best for you. And then obviously um, when you've got the responsibilities of other team members and kids and, and your partner and your spouse and all that sort of stuff, it becomes it actually becomes more difficult to be a night owl than it yeah. does to get up early yeah. because you also have Netflix. And, and for those people that do drink alcohol, I mean, obviously your discipline goes down with that and so on and so forth. And there's way too many temptations at night for most people to be successful as night owls. So you may as well get up early in the morning because that's what the world has been built for. Yeah. I, I so for a couple of years ago, I, I started that, you know, the 5am club, but, it, but, it, but along the lines of, the way that you outline it in your books. So no distractions, it's GSD time. Like 5 a.m., I do my morning, you know, about 20 minutes, I do my morning routine, some supplements, water, that sort of thing. 
Um, really not focused on anything else other than that. And then I go straight to work and that's where I've written, I've written, you know, eBooks, I've written all kinds of products. I've outlined things. I've gotten a t- I mean, I, and I laugh. I'm like, I, I get most, I get done in, in two hours in the morning before everybody wakes up what most people do in an entire eight hour day or, or maybe even a week because it's completely yeah, totally. focused into that thing. And I kind of go over my priorities the night before, look at my calendars. I know what my day is like. So I'm completely mentally prepped when I wake up the next morning at 5 a.m. And I do that. And I don't know if you do, you do, but I found that if I, if I do this seven days a week, if I keep the, I don't do the Monday through Friday thing. It's seven days a week because what I, what I, it's that Kobe Bryant kind of mentality, right? If I can get two hours on Saturday, two hours on Sunday, right. Of extra time, of extra work that that's going to snowball over a decade of time that I'm going to get so much ahead. But anyway, thoughts. But, but, but here's the thing is, is two hours on a Saturday is actually three or four times more productive than two hours on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. Because there's, if, if anybody's worked on a Saturday, you know that there's a huge difference. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm huge. Like I wrote about work on Saturday. I'm a big believer in yeah. it. I'm, I'm all on board with this. And it's because if you've done this, you know that Saturday is a different feeling. It's the same sunrise. You're drinking out of the same coffee mug. Yeah. You're sitting at the same desk. Yeah. But it's different. Man, is it ever different? And maybe it's a woo-woo thing. Maybe there's like a certain amount of creative energy that's out there in the world. And there's, there's only 10% of people are working on Saturday morning. And so there's more creative energy for you. But the two hours on Saturday is not an extra two hours. It's an extra eight hours. Yeah. It's an extra eight hours. And I mean, it has been one of the biggest, like I've had some of my best ideas on a Saturday morning for sure. Yeah. Excellent. So Greg, where can people find you? Where can they, where can they order your stuff? Yeah. So craigvalentine.com forward slash free books. You can just go there and you can get my eBooks and my audiobooks for free. No opt-in, nothing required. I just, I wrote these books to be read. And so I want people to consume them and make big changes and then they can hit me up on Instagram anytime at real Craig Ballantyne as well. And, you know, if you have follow-up questions or anything, or if, if you have some anxiety stuff, you know, just let me know. I'll uh, answer all my direct messages. Obviously, it's just between you and me. Uh, but read my books at craigvalentine.com forward slash free books. It'll be a huge game changer. A hundred percent. And I second that, you know, personally affected me in my life over the past few years. Um, and now it's affecting our clients as well. And, uh, yeah, and, and, and real quick, I'm going to, are you still doing the social selling system? I mean, I want to pimp that out. I do have, yeah, I have, I have a course on how to make money on Instagram yeah. and so, it's kind of a, a timeless approach to it and definitely works. And we still sell. Yeah, it. we did that a couple when we still used a, a variant of that system, you know, like two or three years ago, we used it for a black Friday and it freaking crushed. Oh, awesome. It crushed, man. Yeah. It crushed. So if you're selling things online, I, I don't even think it's that expensive, but definitely go. It's no, a couple of yeah, months, like yeah. definitely go get that. It is uh, it is very beneficial if you're selling things online. Um, other than that, uh, Craig, thank you so much for coming on. It's it's good to, to finally hang out and chat a little bit, and look forward to it yeah. The it's, it's great to finally yeah. chat one on one. Yeah. All right, guys, you guys know the deal. Never quit, never surrender, and we always keep moving forward. We'll see you guys in the next episode.